Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Buckeyes Broadcast. This week we have another student stories episode, a more unique program. We had, we've already talked with a student who participated in an international internship. We had students participating in virtual international internship. We have many students that we're going to be talked to that have participated in our faculty-led programming. But today we have a student who participated in a more immersive experience, we'll call it. Olivia Surgent is here today to talk to us about her time with the University of Tsukuba. Olivia, how are you doing? today. I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Just trying to stay dry. We've got a nice little thunderstorm rolling around here in Columbus. Yes, indeed. Yes. Just to get started, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, what you studied during your time at Ohio State? Yeah. Um, well, like you said, my name is Olivia Surgent. I just graduated from Ohio State in December of 2020. I was a Japanese major. I went on two separate study abroad programs while I was studying at OSU, but they were both to Japan. Uh, the first one was uh, a month long sort of individual course that was uh, faculty led. Our, my professor from level two and level three Japanese came with us and kind of held our hands through our first experience in Japan. That was in Kobe. And then I went on a much longer study abroad program at the University of Tsukuba in Tsukuba, Japan, and that was for an entire academic year. So it was, it was a lot of time in Japan, but I learned a lot, and I think I really grew from it. And you majored in Japanese, is that right? Yes, I majored in Japanese. I actually originally went to a different university right out of high school, and I had no idea what I wanted to major in. And so I kind of took some time off, and over a few years, Japanese kind of came to me as something that I was really excited about, I was interested in. I could see myself, you know, investing a lot of my time in it and professionally or just personally in the future. And that kind of led me down that path. Well, I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. You said that you were able to land on it and obviously you've had success in it. You pursued the major and were able to <laughs> yeah. graduate and, and even more than that, take it to another level by participating in education abroad uh, mm -hmm. programs. But, you know, what was it about Japanese culture or, you know, the content itself that kind of drew you in? Yeah, well, it was a lot of things. Kind of looking back, I feel like Japan was something that came up on my radar at several points in time, but I didn't kind of put the pieces together until later. Asian culture in general, I think, is absolutely fascinating how the, the subtlety and the elegance and the history that it has behind it. And even when I was a little kid, my dad was very into Asian culture and things, and he would take me all the time to get sushi and things, which is such a small, you know, relatively insignificant thing, but those are memories that I hold very close to me. And so in the few years in between my first university and coming to Ohio State, I was moving around. And at one point I was living in California with a group of people who were very, very nerdy and which love that. I'm, I'm a nerd myself, but I feel like living with them kind of really brought that part of myself to my attention. And so, you know, they did the basic nerdy things. They watched a lot of anime, they read manga, they played, you know, the video games and they, you know, fantasized about, oh, if we could live in Japan and go see Tokyo and all those things. And I think that really kind of calcified in my mind is, yeah, this is really cool. This art, these stories, that all this is fascinating to me. And so I started completely on my own with no timetable, just kind of poking around the hiragana and katakana, the like the basic kana um, alphabet of Japanese, just to see, you know, see a little bit more of what it was like and how it worked. And I started to realize that this is something I could, I could really follow through with. 
that's a perfect answer. And I kind of kind of threw that at you, obviously, but you know, love hearing about that. Looking more at what we're here to talk about today, education abroad, right? Mm-hmm. When when did you first start thinking about education abroad? Was it always a part of the plan? Please tell me about that. It was not part of the plan. Because I took so many years off in between my first year of college and returning, I was 24, I think, when I enrolled at Ohio State. I really, I felt behind, like personally, I felt, you know, I'm older than all these people. I, I, you know, I should have been further in this in like my life checklist by now. So it was not part of the plan. I wanted to get in. I wanted to take my classes. I wanted to get my degree and I wanted to be done. So with like the first meeting I had with my advisor, he was like, oh, are you interested in studying abroad? I said, no, I just want to do my stuff and go. But being there with, I don't know, maybe I'm a little biased, but the Japanese department at Ohio State was so wonderful at at every level. My advisor was excellent, the faculty, the uh, professors, uh, all the students that I got to work with and learn with was so supportive. And so it made the whole experience so much better that I, I found myself wanting to take that little extra step, wanting to push myself a little more. And I, they helped me, they helped me love it more to want to have more of that experience, to take everything I could. And some of these programs that Ohio State offers are really once in a lifetime experiences. And I really wanted to take advantage of that. Well, yeah, I mean, let's zoom in on that. You found your major at Ohio State. You really kind of had your path hammered out as far as what you were interested in learning about. You had this great connection within your department, which is terrific to hear. Me as a staff member, that's what we want all students you know, to find <laughs> during their time at Ohio State. Sure. As far as finding, because we have many programs that travel to Japan and East Asia. Mm-hmm. And as you are very well aware, because you participated in two different types of programs, there's a lot that goes into making that decision. So oh, yeah. what did the process look like after you decide that you might be interested in doing an education abroad, what did it look like finding the program that was correct for you? Yeah, well, I had a bunch of friends in those classes who were looking at the year-long program because it is so unique. Even within Ohio State, there are very few programs that do full year long, you know, not faculty-led, like you attend a separate university. So it was a very unique opportunity. And so that one kind of caught my interest first. Um, But as I was looking into it and thinking about how I would mentally and logistically prepare myself for such a program, I was thinking, well, I'd kind of like a dry run. I don't want to just go to Japan armed with whatever language knowledge I now have at that point and just kind of wing it. So uh, the idea of going on the Kobe program kind of stemmed from that. They were, they, I think they only offered it like every other year or something. I don't know if that's still the, um, still the process, but they were also offering the Kobe program the, in May before the year-long one would happen. And so since that was faculty-led and it was a group of students that kind of stuck together and we were all in it together. And if I, if I failed or if I panicked or if a disaster occurred, I had people to kind of fall back on who could help me through. And I would, I would experience Japan with a little more cushion first. So that's why I decided to go on the Kobe program before the year-long. That's a great answer. And I would direct, you know, students that are listening right now, as you're thinking about the differences between the different types of programming, number one, I would encourage you, if you are a fan of the podcast, go back and listen to episode one. We did a terrific introduction of just the basic differences between faculty-led programming, direct enroll, exchanges. You know, there's really this spectrum uh, when it comes to programming as far as how much independence do you want to have on a program 
versus how much support and help are you interested in having, you know, as far as what you're doing while you're in country uh, with faculty led exactly kind of being what you said, much of the plant or really, you know, compared to what can experience faculty led a lot of it's taken care of for you. you. There's an itinerary, you're going abroad with an Ohio State professor. In a lot of ways, that makes many students very comfortable, you know, especially students who are traveling outside of the US for the first time, it can be a terrific option. And that's why we have such high participation in those faculty uh, led programs, but kind of moving, you know, forward into your second experience, you touched on it a little bit. And mm -hmm. I love that you kind of, you kind of shared it in that way. The first program, the Kobe program, you used to kind of prepare yourself. Is this mm -hmm. something you're interested in pushing yourself a little further for more of an independent experience? But uh, kind of along those lines, what, what else did you do to prepare yourself? Going on, going on a faculty-led program is, is very different than spending time in the country on, on your own for a year. So leading up to leaving for your second program, what did you do to kind of prepare yourself to be successful? Yeah, well, I think for me, one of the things that's always on my mind, whether I want it to be on my mind or not, is finances. So because I knew this program in particular was going to be a big financial burden. I knew I had to make sure I had all my ducks in a row as far as that was before I even stepped foot on a plane. I wanted to make sure I had that settled and I wasn't, I mean, it's one thing to be, you know, a poor college student and it's one to be a poor college student in a foreign country and you don't, you can't get a job and everything's falling apart. So I wanted to make sure I had that squared away personally. Um, so I did a lot of uh, scholarship applications. I did, um, I did a lot of calculating. I, I tried to make sure I set myself up for success as well as possible as far as that's concerned. Um, so that psychologically was a big amount of preparation. And beyond that, it was, I think it was, this is gonna sound so like nerdy or whatever, but like, I just kept studying, you know, like even during the breaks between the Kobe program and going on the, um, the long program, I made, it was a few months in the summer, I made sure I was still reading things and listening to things and I didn't let myself slip. And I talked to my friends and figured out, you know, what they were doing and how that worked. And, and that was my big preparation. Don't, don't forget everything you learned. And obviously that's a huge component to it. No longer, you know, on your faculty led program, I'm assuming that, you know, students who maybe didn't speak Japanese fluently were still able to kind of get along. You may have had a guide at certain points on, you know, even though it was a language program, it was still faculty led versus when you're enrolling, you know, at the University of Tsukuba, you're there, you are yep. there to, to speak the language and you're operating, you know, yeah. on your obviously with support from Ohio State, but while in country, you know, operating on your own as a student. Yeah. And so much I, of that, the value is how much of the preparation you did as far as sure. making yourself com comfortable with the language, if you want to talk any more about that. Yeah, well, I will say one of the things that I didn't know I was going to get, but once I came to Tsukuba, I was very, very grateful for it, was they assign you a, a mentor, essentially, like from the day one. They, they're like, this is your person, this is their contact information, and they, especially when you, the first couple of weeks when you get there and you're learning the campus, figuring out how to sign up for classes, going through all the bureaucratic mishigas and the paperwork and all that mess, you know, they stick to you like glue and you know like I had to open a bank account in Japan for one of the scholarships I was receiving and I don't like my Japanese was all right but like I can't speak you know bank Japanese I know the word for bank but sure. like you know 
So it was so grateful that they already had you set up for success as far as that's concerned. The mentors knew what to expect, like what, what they were going to have to do, and they really helped you walk through it in baby steps. So I will say the University of Tsukuba was really good about that in particular. I love it. To backtrack a little bit, just because I don't want to walk over your faculty-led experience, mm. Japanese language and culture in Kobe program. Why don't yep. you just, for the folks listening who know nothing about it, give us a little layout, what you did on the program, how long it was, where you traveled, the, and the highlights of it. Just Right. What, what you yeah. shared, what you shared with friends and family when you got home, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that little story. Yeah, well, we, we were there for about a month. I think it was maybe just shy of four weeks. And we packed a lot in in that month. So um, your, your primary base is Kobe, Japan, which I had really never heard of. It's a, it's a relatively decently big city, but I, you know, it's not one of the banner cities of Japan. You go to Kobe and you're put up at a local university. Person gets their own little dorm room in a hallway of this one university. It's kind of a mixture of like class and practical application. So like usually in the mornings, we'd have our little like class meetings and we go over. Sometimes it was a language thing. Sometimes it was a cultural thing. And sometimes it was situational. Um, we had kind of a little packet that we were working from where most afternoons we'd have to go out and complete a task of some kind. So it'd be like, okay, you know, go get a taxi and take a taxi to this place. And like you would, it would be you and usually a partner or two, and you would have to apply your language, get comfortable, you know, moving around and things like that. And then intermixed with that, we also did some really amazing day trips. So like um, Kobe is relatively close to Kyoto and Nara. And so we went to both those cities and did all kinds of wonderful things. Um, I would highly recommend, even if you're just like traveling to Japan for funsies, I know Tokyo is, you know, the main city most people want to go to and Tokyo is absolutely wonderful. But if you want like, you know, the old Japan experience, see if you can hit up Kyoto and Nara because they are absolutely stunning. There are some of the old capitals of the country, really wonderful things to see there. Would you say that that was maybe the highlight of your time on that program? Obviously so many different things, but yeah, I think so. I think especially some of the stuff that we saw in um, Kyoto were really, I'll never forget some things that we did there. I mean, you know, you do, you do the stuff that everyone always thinks of. You go see like Heian Jingu and you go see like Kyomizudera, so like shrines and temples and all these wonderful places. But there was actually one place that wasn't on our specific agenda. I just kind of ended up there called Sanju, I know you're laughing at me, but. No, that, yeah. that's how some of the best experiences are had on, on many of these programs. But Yeah, you know. but it's called um, Sanju Sangendo, and it's absolutely breathtaking. Like I'm, I'm not an especially religious or spiritual person, but like you go in there and you feel humbled. Like when you just, cause like no one's speaking, they've got all these gorgeous, it's this enormous long building just of all these Buddhist statues and things. And you, and you just kind of walk down the line in silence. And like, if any place is going to be a holy place, it's there. So it was absolutely amazing. I love it. That That's yeah. exactly what I'm looking for you to share. So you come home, you have that month break, you're able to prepare, uh, you know, to enroll as a student. Your second program starts and you get to the University of Tsukuba. Many students, you know, they get to college the first day, they're overwhelmed. Maybe multiply it because yeah. new country, new space, all on your own. You know, what, mm -hmm. what does that look like? Well, the first week was pretty bad, <laughs> not because of Japan. Japan is wonderful, but just, it just felt 
like everything was falling apart at once. Like one of my suitcases didn't arrive and I, Japan is complicated to get around. Like GPS mm -hmm. is not really helpful. So I didn't know where anything was or how to get anywhere. And kind of like I referenced before, there was so much paperwork that was so far beyond my ability and I just felt overwhelmed. So the first week was not great, <laughs> but once I got past the first week and the paperwork was signed and the suitcase came and I had a little breather before class started, I started to settle in a little more. And Tsukuba as a city kind of took me by surprise because I wasn't, the University of Tsukuba wasn't my first choice of university to attend for this program. Um, so I was a little hesitant. It's, it's close to Tokyo. It's about 45 minutes north by train of Tokyo but it's a little more country-ish. Like one of my friends who was going to school in Tokyo came and visited and she's like, this is like my country weekend getaway coming to Tsukuba. This is so calm. And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> so it's, it's, a little, it's a little out there. Like, I mean, there's still, you know, suburbs and it's a city and whatever, but it's, it wasn't what I expected and wasn't what I initially thought I wanted from my experience. But being there... I don't know, it, it had this amazing meditative calming effect on me, being out there with all the, all I say all the nature, all Japan is a very like pro nature country, but like in Tsukuba, it was even more, it was all over. I'd walk around campus and there's, I don't know, like it's overrun with trees and greenery and vines and like even cobwebs, like the cobwebs were huge, but I'm like, that's a majestic cobweb. Like it's, I don't know, it took me by surprise. Sure. I thought this was extremely charming in the uh, blog post you'd written for the Office of International Affairs. It's kind of along the lines of what you're talking about is how surprised you were, you know, just mm. by campus. But one of the things you highlighted specifically was the community element. And mm, yeah. I believe there was a festival that you were mm -hmm. you attended that you were extremely excited about. Maybe if you want to talk about that a little bit. For sure. Yeah. Well, um, I got there and maybe about two weeks in, I want to say they had kind of like a, a welcome sort of festival thing for students because the University of Tsukuba has a very large population of international students. And so that was kind of my first taste of the community. They had different clubs, had little little stands or were performing. And it was, it was all about bringing everyone together. And then how many weeks after that? But there was kind of a, I guess it's like an annual festival that a lot of universities do in Japan. It felt like half of the city had like come to campus and was watching, they had set up a stage in like the main quad of the campus and like everyone was there sitting on their blankets watching performances and they knew like the moves to these songs and they were, everyone was buying food and there was stuff for, again, for all the clubs promoting their things and making money. And I don't know if it was just Tsukuba or maybe it's a Japan thing, but they, the intention is to bring the people together in whatever kind of celebration is relevant at that time. And I was really shocked by, you know, how the community turned out, you know, just on campus, because it's not as big a campus as like OSU, but it felt like it, over that weekend that it was as populated as OSU was. How much- you Everyone know, showed up, out. they were there. Yeah, yeah they cared, yeah. sure. Even like the little kids, you know, they were going around and eating their little snacks, the little, you know, like octopus balls and things. Like it was, it was great. Sure. The reason I brought it up is it reminded me of the event that we hold on campus, which is Taste of OSU, just a, a very small version of that. I don't know mm. if you've ever 
attended, if you ever attended that as a student. I think Um, I did once. Yeah. Okay. Just a fraction of the scale, just based on how you described it. But, you know, it's just this opportunity for people to come together, celebrate, share, you know, culture, food. Mm -hmm. And when you, when you wrote about it, I was like, what a, what a, just an interesting, you know, perspective after you got on campus. So I would like to hear a little bit more about that rough first week, as you mentioned, but you end up getting acclimated a bit and you're able to explore campus. And, and Mm -hmm. even you wrote about a little bit, exploring some of the outside area and even taking a trip into Tokyo Mm -hmm. at at different points, maybe just talk about exploring, you know, you had time in Japan. What was that like? Well, I, I am an explorer by nature. So, but I mean, anyone who's going on a study abroad, I encourage you to like take initiative and wander. You, you get so much more richness out of the experience by just wandering, you know, without agenda or anything. I spent a lot of that entire year wandering, wandering around Tsukuba, um, you know, going into the city center, you know, where they have most of the shops and the restaurants and the fun things, but also... I wandered kind of around the kind of the the out there areas, like just off campus, off one of the sides, there's, you know, it's very sparsely rural. So like you go around and there's, you know, you turn the street and suddenly there are rice paddies everywhere. And, you know, you go past a vineyard and, or a little bamboo like cluster and things. And these are the things that you, you only find when you don't have a specific purpose in mind, when you just kind of let yourself see what there is. So I did a lot of wandering. I wandered around campus. I wandered around the city of Tsukuba. But as you mentioned, I also made sure that I took trips um, into Tokyo because that is such an exciting place. I mean, come on. So I did. I took a couple um, a couple day trips because it wasn't that far from Tsukuba that a day trip was manageable into Tokyo. And I did one that was over an entire weekend. I did an overnight in a uh, capsule hotel or this was a hospital, but still, and because that's, you know, you see that as the cliched experience in your tiny little like capsule bed and that's your whole space. And it was great. And I, I saw concerts and I bought a lot of manga and it, it was, it was really wonderful. I wasn't able to do everything I wanted because COVID happened, but I still, I still saw a lot and I'm really proud of, of my experience. I summited a mountain, a very small mountain. Mount Tsukuba is, you know, not overly large, but just the fact that I, you know, there was a a hiking club at Tsukuba and I was able to go with them and like stand on top of like an actual mountain and look out and think I did that. I brought myself here. And I think that was a, had a really profound effect on, on my psychology and how I, you know, how I looked forward to whatever I wanted to do next. I love that perspective. I'm a person for a hobby that I enjoy hiking outdoors. You know, I haven't been able to do any hiking in Japan, but being able to being able to to think back on that experience, I can hear it in your voice, you know, just how much value you got out of that Mm -hmm. and just experiencing it. And and looking back, you can obviously say, yeah, I hiked a mountain in Japan. But what you remember is, you know, the people that you did it with and the steps that Mm -hmm. it took in order to get there. And I think that's a really beautiful thing, just thinking about the journey. Anything else, you know, just about the program, you feel like I I haven't asked you already, please feel free to share uh, anything you think folks would appreciate. Um, I mean, I would just say that when you think about taking such a long trip, you know, a full academic year by yourself, you know, with no safety net in a place where you'll know some of the language, but you most likely won't be fluent, that it feels like a really big risk. And it is. But 
I think a lot of times, especially with something as complex and, you know, foreign to most people as Japanese, you, you need to take those risks and you really, you get a lot out of pushing yourself. And, I, and that's really, that's really what I did that entire year is I, I made sure I pushed myself. And I think that's, I think that's really valuable. So I, I would hope that anyone considering this program or any other study abroad that maybe thinks it's a little too much for them, it might not be. I want to expand that question a little bit. You've already talked about, I think, the value of these programs and, and for folks that are you know, studying Japanese, I think that obviously these are terrific options. But just to zoom out a little bit, you know, say that you have a student that's never traveled abroad. They've never been outside of the United States before, and they're on the fence. They're thinking that it might be something for them, but they're not so sure. What do you, what do you think? What's your advice that you would share with you know, that student? For me, especially if you have a lot of doubt in your own head, I think you need to find some sort of an anchor. Someone who, you know, even if they themselves have doubt that they, they believe you can, you know, push beyond. So if that's, you know, a friend or a classmate or a family member or one of your advisors, hopefully you have a, if, you have, if you're in Japanese, you probably have Tommy Bile as your advisor, who's a rock star. But, you know, someone to be your anchor, to have the faith that you do not who can really advocate not just for a program, but for you and what you might get out of it. I think if you're, if you're thinking about study abroad and you're not sure, maybe find someone who believes in you more than you do. And I, again, I gotta say, you know, taking risks is scary, but I think it's absolutely worth it, especially when it comes to travel and, you know, putting yourself in those positions where maybe, you know, the world looks a little different than you thought it did. I think that makes you a better student. It's going to make you a wiser person. It's going to make you more worldly. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, once, once the program's over and you look back and you see what you've accomplished, I think it's going to make you a little braver. I would a thousand percent endorse both of those, those items. The, I really love the first thing you shared because I've never heard that as a piece of advice, but I love it. Like finding a champion, you know, for yourself to, to kind of, sure. yeah, to push yourself. I mean, a lot of the time, it's human to be filled with, to have self-doubt, you know, and to be unsure about things, but to find whoever that person is in your life to kind of help boost your confidence and, Mm -hmm. you know, ensure that that's a a great decision for you. Yeah. Thank you for those answers. If you're comfortable sharing with us, what are you up to these days? How did those programs impact your future? Graduated at this point, maybe Mm -hmm. just tell us about what's going on. I am right now, I'm actually working for OSU. I work at the OSU Press, which is the publishing branch of the university. We do mostly academic stuff, but a few few trade books as well. Um, And that kind of happened by accident. I was their student worker my last semester at OSU, and then a full-time position opened up a month after I graduated, so I jumped on that. But that kind of happened to me because I've always been a reader, and so I liked being around books. And while I'm really comfortable where I am now working for Ohio State, you know, great benefits, I'm by my family, you know, I'm comfortable with the university and campus, and that's all wonderful. But as far as how that relates or translates into my Japanese experience, I mean, the idea of manga publishing is like not off the table. I mean, I'm not going to go for that next year. But I mean, maybe down the road, if I get like my JLPT certification, and things like that, then that's definitely floating up in the ether for me. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that all turns out. That's kind of where I am right now. No, I, I think that you are a terrific success story. The way that you are able to advocate 
not only about the program, but just your memory and the value that you were able to put on your experiences. Really, I'm just saying thank you for joining us today. I really have appreciated this conversation. Oh, it's no problem. It was great. I, I had a great experience and I really, I really hope other people, you know, take a shot on themselves and experience those things too.